Welcome along to the Football Ramble. Sonny's back on the score sheet and Lampard gets his first win of the season. It's Monday the 19th of September. I'm Jules Breach. Pete, this is your next. No, I'm not next. I've got Jules Breach, Andy Brassard, Pete Donaldson. No? No. No. You must be on the wrong one. What? Are you Uh, on the right running order? Monday, running order, 19th of September. I made a copy of... Why did somebody change the order around? (laughs) (laughs) Between like an hour when I I changed this morn. Good God. Why? Why? Why do we need to change it? Right. We go again. I'm Pete Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> that was me recording oh, it. We're going again. No. Welcome along to the Football Ramble. Sonny's back on the score sheet and Lampard gets his first win of the season. It's Monday the 19th of September. I'm Jules Breach. Oh, I'm Pete Donaldson. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Vadushan Antaraja. <laughs> Yes, it was a reduced set of fixtures in the Premier League this weekend, but still so much to get our teeth into. Let's start, boys, with our highlights of the weekend. Um, Pete, after that intro, I think I'm going to have to come to you first. (laughs) Well, just to sit Andy uh, with a bit of Leon chat, uh, in this show because obviously he wants to talk about it now but he's not allowed to because he's got to do it on the <laughs> continent I want to talk about uh, Leon manager Peter Bosch's um, it basically they lost a football match and he basically said over the uh, is it international break next week he said uh, he's just going to drink a lot of alcohol which I think that's <laughs> what you want to hear from your manager you don't want to be hearing that you're going to be down at the training ground planning a big uh, you know a plan of attack for the next uh, round of fixtures you want a man who who's just going to take a <laughs> bottle of whiskey to the woods and just drink it and shout for a bit. That's what international breaks are for. Exactly. International breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Brassel, what about you? I've also gone for a coach. Uh, my highlight of the weekend was when Valencia scored against Celta Vigo. Uh, Reno Gattuso just going up to a random man in the crowd quite purposefully grabbing his head and shaking it in celebration. <laughs> they reproduced it on the Valencia socials saying, if Gattuso comes to celebrate with you, you celebrate with him. Full stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds frightening. It looked it. <laughs> um, Vish, I think we've gone past the point of me saying Manchester United not playing at the weekend is your highlight, but uh, have we? Um, that was that. I mean, that will continue to be my highlight. Yeah, um, I think we should extend the warning period personally, but might be alone in that. Um, so my highlight was actually um, Ethan Nwanyeri coming on for Arsenal because, yes. as ever, you know, we're, we're at an age now, you especially, where you start thinking about oh, what you were doing at that, at that time. And I realized at 15, I think it was 15, I went to my first house party and I wore. A Barcelona football shirt because I thought it was classy because it was European. And nice. I genuinely Give that man walked... a stubby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely walked in and thought, you know what, this is this is cool because someone will be like, oh, what shirt is that? I'll be like, Barcelona. Oh, have you been? No, never. And then it was a talking <laughs> point over there. Um, so that's why I was doing it for a 15, not getting Premier League minutes, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous and, and we'll talk a bit more about young Ethan when we talk about Arsenal's um, win at the weekend because they've gone back to the 
top of the Premier League table as well. But yeah, that was that was quite incredible, wasn't it? When they were talking about it before the game and talking about the potential of him becoming the youngest ever Premier League player, I was thinking, this is it's it is ridiculous. I mean, he could. I mean, we'll talk more about it later. But the fact that the club can't even speak directly to him, Vish, says it all, doesn't it? He has, actually has. They have to talk through pe- his parents and guardians. Yeah, like I think he, I don't know what it is, but I know in, in certain other sports, even at 16, 17, like you can be in WhatsApp groups and someone can put a message into that team WhatsApp group. But in ter- terms of like asking you to do interviews or like getting you specifically to certain places, you have to go into another WhatsApp group with their like one of their parents <laughs> or guardians. Right, okay. Mm. And I think he also he couldn't change with the full squad as well. He had, yeah, to, he had right. to have a separate changing room. Does he Just have a to kind boy. of... Do you have to kind of like talk to him through like Snapchat and stuff, dressing as a tiger? <laughs> I don't know, like, how does that kind of... And they had to call him down for his dinner because he, yes. he spent too much time watching TV and they had to, they had to ground him as well. This is mad. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute madness. Um, I suppose I'll finish with my highlight then. My highlight of the weekend came quite late. In fact, it came quite late last night on Sunday evening when um, it was finally announced that Brighton have appointed... A manager since Graham Potter decided to leave us. Um, so yeah, we've got Roberto De Zerbi, and I'm sure Brass, you can tell me a bit more about him and whether I've even pronounced his name correctly. But he looks as though he's a perfect fit for Brighton. I hear that he plays good possession-based football. He's always punched above his weight, and I'm quite excited about it because I hear that Juventus actually wanted him, um, and little old Brighton have got him instead. Look at us. Yeah, he got offered some good jobs before he went to Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, he got offered the Leon job. Obviously, the Shakhtar experience ended a, a bit quicker than he expected for obvious reasons, and he couldn't really get his uh, teeth into it. Um, but yeah, he's a, a really philosophy-based coach, so he, he does fit Brighton, I think. Um, he's coached players, I, I think you would argue in some cases, beyond their natural level at Sassuolo. He did a, a great job in that sense. And you think of players like Locatelli, um, Raspadori, who are now at Juventus, Napoli, and, and, and part of the Italian national team. You could argue that part of the Italian national team's success is is down to him coaching those those players. And wow, that, that, that's something that you you've got to look at. You know, not just um, someone who put signings together, but can actually work on your existing players. I think that's something that we've seen Thomas Tuchel do, something we've seen David Moyes do in the Premier League in, in recent times. So it's pretty good. And as you say, it has the side bit of uh, annoying Juventus. Although I, I don't think they're quite <laughs> ready to sack Max Allegri yet because it'll be too expensive. Yeah, I, I think what's what's good about it as well is that he comes with all of the team, the backroom staff that you know, he's been successful within all of his previous roles, which does also include Vincenzo Teresa, who um, very amusingly, Seagull Central, which is one of the uh, Brighton fan accounts on Twitter, pointed out is an absolute spitting image of Greg Wallace. <laughs> Greg Wallace. I mean, it's actually quite amazing, isn't it? How alike they look. If you haven't seen him, Google him. You know, what I think what's most amazing is we spent five minutes talking about a team who haven't played this weekend. Are we expecting Jules to not talk about Brighton for a month? Yeah, kick I, off the I, show. Why yeah. not? Kick off the I show. Would, I would rather eight focus. goals, eight goals in Spurs Leicester. Kick off the show with Brighton, though. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would really like to focus on the on the lingering bitterness in uh, Jules' voice over, over Graham Potter. When he decided ah, to leave us. I did tell him. And I told you, we don't need him. We don't need him. (laughs) 
<laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm actually really glad that I haven't been around for the last couple of weeks because uh, I've not been able to be bullied on the football ramble by you lot after Graham left us. So, I find yeah. myself uh, a little bit hopefully... braver today. I don't know why. Do you? Oh, I wonder why, Vish. Maybe because we're not actually in the same fucking room. <laughs> right, let's get to that 6-2 victory for Spurs then over Leicester because uh, what, a, what a win it was for Spurs and the story really is all about Sonny who's back on the score sheet his first goals of the season and a quite incredible 14 minute hat-trick off the bench um Conte decided to start Richarlison ahead of him there's been all this talk in the last few matches for Spurs on you know who's going to start in that front three who deserves it you know Kulisevsky's made an amazing impact since he joined Spurs in January but then Richarlison signs this summer and you're wondering how he's going to fit them all in. Well, this was the game for Sonny and he, he'd received an, a, a little bit of criticism. I don't think it's been unfair because he's obviously not, not scored yet, but what a way to reintroduce himself this season, Andy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think Conte's in, achieved some incredible things in his coaching career. Angering Hung Min Son has to be up there because, you know, <laughs> he just seems like such a, such a lovely man. Um, but he, he he's a bad the... boy now. He sits around in his Calvin Klein pants, <laughs> showing off his <laughs> showing off his muscles. Yeah, well, you know, he, t- he certainly had the bit between his teeth when it, when he he came on. He's still talking um... about the pants again. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see that part of the show, Andy. Yeah, I think th- th- this was. I, I think this had been coming from from Tottenham for a, a little bit, and if it was going to happen. It was going to happen against Leicester. I mean, how many times already this season have we heard Brendan Rodgers say we play quite well when they've been on the end of a, a, a thwacking? I, I, mean, thought, I thought they did, though. Is that weird? They lost it yeah, too. But I didn't that, think that's, they were that bad. You have to play well for the whole game. That's so and tiring, you, though. Yeah, isn't you it? have to not give goals to the opposition. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to be generous. It's time, it's time. <laughs> what did you think was good about? What did you think was good about them, Vish? I, I, I mean, I, I'm not obviously not saying that from a Leicester City fan point of view, but they've been one of the more entertaining teams to watch, really, because they're almost split. What, because they concede so many goals? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. And, and attacking-wise, they're actually quite good. You know, there's a lot of excitement there. Like Madison, you know, Daka is great for breaking the lines. Ian Acho, when he comes on, is always quite silky. They, they're split into two, aren't they? And I suppose the issue that they're having at the moment is that they're not working together. They They don't defend together as soon as... Like, as soon as a player runs past one player, they're like, they pass it on instead of, like, trying to get back into shape and things like that. It feels very pre-pre-season, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, they, they feel incredibly undercooked. And I think yeah. if you look at it on, on paper, like, the, the fact that them being bottom with the players they've got and actually with the manager they've got is ridiculous. But maybe they just don't fit together anymore. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I I mean, I was at the Amex for, here we are, me mentioning Brighton again, Vish, I hope that's all right. Um, I was at the Amex for the <laughs> 5-2 defeat that Leicester um, were, received from, from us and they were okay in spells, so I, I can see where you're coming from, but they're just so bad defensively and it's just, I don't know, it, it doesn't look good for Brendan Rodgers, does it? It almost feels like he, he is on borrowed time now. After the game, he said... Uh, the owners will do what it is that they feel they need to do. I'm not daft. I know football. The last six games don't make for great reading, but I have every confidence that the team 
can push on. You can see the confidence in the team and the creativity and the pressing. It's just cutting out the mistakes. But when you make that many mistakes in a game, (laughs) I mean, you you just can't get away with it, can you, Pete? No. And I get the feeling that his borrowed time is only borrowed because they just cannot afford to sack him and bring someone else in because they've just got not they've not got enough money but yeah it, it they started brightly enough i thought and 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 and, and loris certainly had the um matching of that uh, penalty before the retake i thought that was really lovely uh, goalkeeping but obviously yeah. uh, he came off his line for it uh, but uh, it it was a very very interesting match and i think when you um when when he talks about when brendan talks about making mistakes in matches like to be honest like sun hyung min's two uh, like two absolute bangers you know Nine times out of ten, he's not hitting the target with either of those for me. And I, I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought neither of those were particularly mistakey. But just Son Heung Min was just at, really had a point to prove, and um, he he kind of proved his own manager's point. He proved the, uh, the, the the decent thing was to bench him and bring him on. He just seems to play better that way <laughs> in, his, in his current state. Yeah, I mean, I love the three goals from from Sonny Fish. Um, which, which was your pick of the bunch? I think it's the um, definitely the second one because we've seen it from him a few times before. Yeah. He's got like a, he's one of those players who you can tell when he trains something um, because he has a very similar way of hitting that specific shot from that range with his left foot curling it into the far side. Yeah. Um, but because he's such a natural footballer, it doesn't look as staged as it clearly is. You know, does that make sense? Like he he moves in quite a fluid way, and it was um, I, I thought it was really interesting that he kind of. Yeah. His celebration was a bit like, "Oh, I'll show you." And as Pete said, like Conte was like, "No, I know. Yeah, like <laughs> this is like everything. The reason I, uh, you know, you didn't start was because you know you haven't scored. And the reason I brought you on because uh, I thought, right, you're probably pissed off. Maybe not as pissed off as me. You'll never get to that level. <laughs> you're clearly quite annoyed. Go on and you know thump them basically. Well, it, didn't it, didn't Conte have this at around about this time last season where like it was Mora and uh, Son's sort of interplay? They weren't creating enough, and 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 he was quite upset with Son's performances and stuff. And obviously he kicked on uh, and, and produced better performances in the back end of the season because he was absolutely unstoppable with his with his goal return. Uh, but this time round, sometimes he just he just needs a couple of matches on the bench, doesn't he? Yeah, and I, th- I think cajoling and provoking your players a bit is is, is fine. He I did mean, it with I Christian mean, Eriksen at Inter Milan and United are benefiting from that now, yeah, aren't they, really? Exa- exactly. And I think if you look at the way that Leicester have been, and as Jules says, it's kind of this repeating pattern of behaviour which makes you think that Brendan Rodgers isn't the person at this point to, to get them out of it. I think it's, it's a perfectly legitimate plan to go into this game and go, in, well, Leicester will probably play well for a bit, then let's throw... Son on for the last 30 minutes and he will absolutely flame them. I think that's mm. that's that's quite a le- legitimate way of, of of looking at it. Actually, talking of Leicester again, I think it's interesting because I do think Tottenham needed to come back after that pretty poor performance in, in, in Europe in, in, in the week, though, even though the goals came late on, I thought they were, they were quite poor. Um, I wonder where James Madison goes from here, Jules, because he has played... Yeah, really well. I think in in this calendar year, really well. If you, you you take him apart from Leicester, and like pretty much after full time, I had a few like Newcastle supporting rallies on the texts going. He's coming to us in January. He's coming to us in January. I wonder <laughs> if you were him, would you be interested in that move? You know, if you think if you want to 
not just continue to be a good Premier League player and earn nice money, but actually go on to the next level, actually have um, a sense of being ambitious in a team sense, actually make Gareth Southgate maybe think again, or the next England coach think again and try and propel yourself into contention for being in the England team. Do you think he has a little look and thinks, have I gone as far as I can at, at Leicester and might have to think about something else? Not necessarily that Newcastle's the, the move, but is there a move out there for him and does he need to think about it? Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually quite surprised, Andy, that he he didn't leave Leicester in the summer just because, you know, he's a player of really high quality who has been linked with moves away in previous windows. And because of the way Leicester have started the season, the way they ended last season as well, I I thought that this would be the time that he, he did move on. And obviously, as you mentioned, Newcastle seemed to be the club that, that were after him and, and looked more likely. I think, you know, Leicester have been really fortunate that they have held on to him and he has provided, you know, a few moments of brilliance in their matches. Um, and, 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 you know, whenever he plays for Leicester, he quite often is one of their standout players. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that him being left out of the England squad is down to the fact that Leicester's form has been so bad because otherwise if he was playing and he'd made a move in the summer to a club that maybe had a bit more of a positive outlook, Newcastle being one of them. I mean, Newcastle haven't actually won that many games this season. Mm. I think they've only they've only won once, right? Yet they're mm. they're 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 getting they're getting so much praise, I think because there's such a positive feeling around the club at the moment, that you'd imagine that had Madison maybe been playing in a team like that, that were receiving more positive reviews, that perhaps he'd have had more of a chance of getting into the squad. Obviously, I, I have no idea um, how Gareth Southgate picks his team, but we've seen that in the past, he does tend to stick with the players that he's trusted and that he can rely on. And that to me looks as though what he's done with this England squad. So yeah, I guess we'll see how England get on without Madison on Friday when they face Italy in their penultimate match before the World Cup. Um, more Premier League action to get through now. Arsenal beating Brentford 3-0. A little bit of revenge, Vish, off the back of what happened to them last season at Brentford Stadium. Yeah, and like comfortable revenge as well. It was, um, <laughs> they're just actually quite impressive, aren't they? I think even... Um, yeah, even when Manchester United beat them, just to bring it up. Look, if you can bring up Brighton four times when they haven't played, I can, I can <laughs> United once. But All right. Even when United beat them, they, you know, you kind of left the game thinking, God, they're a bit more robust. There's a bit more about them. Just, and they just look... want to remind you that um, United lost to Brentford. That was so long ago. Like I don't that. think people remember that. A lot's happened since then. Was that got... a different season? I think it was, yeah. <laughs> got a king now as well. I don't know who we had back then. But there was, um, yeah, there was like... <laughs> You know, the, this was a kind of game where they would have slipped up. I know, like even beyond the fact that they lost it, the uh, lost this exact fixture, the same. Sorry, at the start of last season, there was something about how they approached it. They were just a bit, you know, Brentford snapped the ball around, and it felt like they were doing that. But every time they did that, they were moving closer to their own goal because Arsenal were just like encroaching on them, pressing on them, and had had that little bit more energy and that little bit more incision as well, and. They're really impressive. And also, like I know they scored from, you know, that first goal from a corner, but you realise, like, Arsenal are so much bigger now, like, physically bigger. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, it might be a bit of a reductive thing to say, but it's like, it feels like they can't be bullied as much as they were anymore. That Fabio Vieira, he's beefcake. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that little Pete Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just lovely to get get off the mark with a lovely goal. And I love a goal in off the post. I just love it. Um, do you, do, you, do is there an argument to sort of say in the whole of the Premier League? Obviously, Manchester City are uh, absolutely putting teams to the swords thanks to the... You sort of say that this Arsenal team is the most together, the most kind of like formulated uh, team in the Premier League this season. They, they've got a plan and, and they, they do it pretty much every match, whether they win or lose. I think there's something to be said for that, actually. I think part of it, though, Pete, is maybe the way we're looking at the Premier League. Because we've got the massive shadow of Erling Haaland over everything... <laughs> It mm. does already feel like Manchester City and the rest. And you're right, Arsenal look like the the best of the rest so far, definitely. Yeah. I mean, they have yeah. got Spurs, Liverpool and Man City to play. In the mm. next little action that's been postponed. But Nothing like still, that to I mean, puncture it's... the optimism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they'll be pretty happy with uh, how things have started, certainly. Back to the top of the table. Um, Arteta said that he was so annoyed when Arsenal lost their position on the top of the table on Saturday after Manchester City won. Um, and he said that was the motivation going into the match on, on Sunday. And, and you could you could really see that because they started the game so well. I also, when you talk, Pete, about that sort of togetherness and that, that harmony that you've got with this Arsenal team at the moment, I thought that was perfectly encapsulated with um, Gabrielle's tweet after the match. He in, It was in response to what Ivan Tony tweeted last season when Brentford beat Arsenal he tweeted saying nice kick about with the boys and that's exactly what Gabrielle tweeted after the game as well I, I thought that was um that was actually pretty funny what, what did you what did you think of this I thought it was a bit punchy downy actually to did be honest did you like it I no, liked it, I it, it, it reminded me of you know when um Harland against PSG exactly yeah exactly it made PSG look small. Yeah, yeah, didn't it? But it's it also it has that quality. Well, you know, it it does that thing where it makes Arsenal and specifically Gabriel look a bit more rattled than he should be. Yes. Like, how have you yes. remembered that? And like, even if he didn't yeah. post it, which he we know, if, you know, given how footballers operate with their social media, he probably didn't post it because it was with, within like half an hour of full time. And it was just Are like, oh, Metro- players don't tweet in their pants. I think <laughs> players do tweet in their pants. <laughs> Maybe they do, actually. Sometimes they tweet pictures of their pants, don't <laughs> yeah. they, in the dressing room. But, um, but like, the, so he would have had that stored through whoever organises his social media from before the game, being like, oh, you know, if we win, make sure you get mm. that out there. And it's just a bit small fry. I don't think it's as serious as that. I just think he just thought, all right, have some of that. Yeah, but but like, but do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it is it is a bit small fry. Like, I mean, this really puts the ramble WhatsApp group into perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Jules. You know when you like chuck all those insults at me in the WhatsApp group into my DMs, I don't respond because it's beneath me. Yeah, I don't need to engage with that. It's a bit like that. I I think it's a little bit like a little bit like Alan So Maximum when he would wait an entire month to to uh, just have a go at a Southampton. <laughs> fan uh, yes uh, but yes it is unbecoming of a Premier League footballer isn't it really <laughs> <laughs> and also like they smash right. them as well like comfortably smash them like you've already sent them the message mate like don't, you don't need to alright alright then um, well let's talk a bit more about young young Ethan Nwaneri uh, 15 years old he's become the youngest ever Premier League player and it was it was quite an amazing moment. I think it actually speaks volumes um, on a serious note, Andy, on just what Arsenal are trying to achieve and this kind of 
maybe a bit more of a long-term plan that the club have got. And, and it's sort of, I think it perfectly encapsulated the good start to the season they've had. Again, Arsenal fans, this is exactly what they want to see. They want to see the manager giving opportunities to younger players in the squad as well. So I thought it was actually um, a pretty pretty special moment. Yeah, I, I think it's tempting to, to look at it as something symbolic, particularly with that flush of youthful excitement that, that you feel um, this Arteta side has about it. But honestly, I don't know anywhere near enough about him to, to, to comment on it. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd never Fraud. seen... Guys, guys, we have found something Andy doesn't know, yes! know something about. No, no, but, but seriously. Shall I play a, you... Do we have a jingle for this? <laughs> <laughs> you stay away from that, that keypad. <laughs> oh, no, but I think you have to be honest about it and just say, if he's playing at, at 15, I don't think you can really say he's representative of, of anything, can you? He's obviously exceptional if he's able to be put into that position, not just in terms of him being good enough, but in terms of him being able, they obviously feel, and Arteta and his staff obviously feel, he's emotionally able to to handle it, which is, you know, got to mark him out. Six years younger than Bukayo Saka. I didn't know he could be younger than Saka. (laughs) But he is, yeah, by a distance as well. I feel like at this point... um, the classic question is to ask Pete Donaldson what he was doing when he was 15. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know, Jules. You just do not want to know. <laughs> I think I, I do. I think I'm still on a paper round, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> is it that a bit old to be on a paper round? I I, I entered the, um, the, the the workforce very late in, in, in my, my life. <laughs> I couldn't be tracked, yeah. <laughs> I think you'll find the Hartlepool Mail is a broadsheet as well, so you need to have muscles to lug it around. To like heave it, yeah. yeah. It's like the, when they throw the big log in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Tossing the caber. That's it, a caber. Tossing the broadsheet. <laughs> Um, however, if you thought 15 was young, um, have a listen to this. It's nothing compared to Christopher Atherton, who last week actually became the youngest ever senior footballer in the United Kingdom at 13 years and 329 days old when he came off the bench for Glenavon in the League Cup. He made a quick impact as well. He got an assist for their last goal and they won 6-0. I mean, I don't know if you can call him senior at the age of 13, can you? <laughs> That's too young. That's just too, How are they allowing this? That's just too young. What are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, presumably at 13, if this was an evening kickoff, he couldn't play. <laughs> yeah, what's his bed? Yeah, his bedtime <laughs> would be like 8 o'clock, wouldn't it? I'm not a father. Yeah. Andy, what, t- what time's everyone's bedtimes at that age? Later than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we also spoken about Arsenal's loss to Brentford last year where they looked very vulnerable, conceding from a long throw-in. And on last week's Football Rambles Guide to Special Moves episode, Luke chose Rory Delap's long throw as his favourite ever football special move. Um, and since then, Rob has been in touch on Twitter. Thanks, Rob. He said um, that Delap's throw-ins could have been more power than we think. He shared a picture of his university dissertation that was titled A Theoretical Study into How the Two Goals Scored by Stoke City Straight from Rory Delap's Long Throw-Ins in Their 3-2 Loss Against Everton on the 14th of September 2008 directly led to Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley seizing trading as investment banks on the 21st of September 2008. <laughs> I don't think Send he's taking either either subject seriously there. 
Yeah, they both independently need, you know, thorough examinations. They don't need to be done together, yeah. <laughs> Taking eyes away from the other, aren't you? <laughs> but do send that in. I would love I genuinely would love to read that. I would love to read that as well. And it's kinda like it it's it's a bit like a butterfly effect kind of uh concept, I suppose. Would you really like to read that? <laughs> yeah. We're cerebral people, You've got far Jules. Too much time on your hands. But we do love hearing from you guys. So uh, get in touch. Show at footballramble.com and you can tweet us as always at footballramble. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the rest of this weekend's Premier League action. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. Uh, Moisey, <laughs> yeah. Okay, hell, don't think we're that close. <laughs> so, Jules, just genuinely off the back of that, he's clearly rattled and this and the other. Um, and the person asking question would have, you know, would have interviewed him before, hence calling him Moisey, because there's no reason for him, you know, to call him that otherwise. And you're someone who interviews managers all the time and players and stuff like that. <laughs> But no, but genuinely, like it could be quite easy to like fall into a nickname. 
So do you have to like do you have to remind yourself to like use their first name, or there are some managers who just don't mind it? Because I think he's just kicking up a fuss for no reason there. I mean, I would. I don't think I would ever call a manager by a nickname. No chance. Um, but. It, I can understand it being more difficult for like pundits to do. And I I've, I actually, we had that quite a bit last year with um, West Ham's Europa League coverage because I was working with the, the two Coles <laughs> and obviously they're so close to the squad and the players and a lot of them are their mates. And quite often in our coverage, they had to sort of stop themselves from calling the boys by their nicknames. Um, and I think when it's when when teams are in a good place you can get away with it a bit more so you know there were times where you'd you'd get away with calling players by their nickname but i think from a from a journalist perspective i find that just it's just a little bit i don't know if it's a it's icky it, yeah it's just a bit icky it's a bit like mate mm. he's not your mate like even if you've interviewed him a hundred times in a professional capacity it, it, you never call them by their nickname um, hashtag but, not my mate mm. Yeah, I think uh, in a professional capacity, no matter how well you know manager or player, 100% always stick to full name or first name, <laughs> I think. Totally, totally agree, Julesy. Yeah, no, I'll piss <laughs> off, Vichy. Um, that actually leads us perfectly onto um, West Ham's defeat at the weekend but before that just a quick reminder that the WSL got underway this weekend and there were some crazy results it was it was quite amazing actually newly promoted Liverpool beat the champions Chelsea what about that to start the season so Chloe and Rachel are going to be on tomorrow's up front where they're going to get stuck into the opening round of results alongside journalist Jesse Parker Hughes uh, just search for Upfront in your podcast app to subscribe and listen to the girls tomorrow well worth a listen that um, Upfronty so, Upfronty <laughs> <laughs> Everton won West Ham nil huge three points for Everton and um, that's their first win of the season Frank Lampard delighted in his post-match presser Pete it's it, if this is as good as it's going to get Frank you're in for a <laughs> fucking long season that's all I'm saying <laughs> good god I mean two t- I mean West Ham are look really unpolished at this point in the season they really sort themselves out so if Everton if you think that's genuinely you're going <laughs> to kick on from this I guarantee you won't because Frank Lampard <laughs> is a limited manager <laughs> Frank Gay do you think now he's like, like the thing that's helping Everton now is that he's accepting maybe he's accepting his limitations or rather they're kind of getting used to them. Like he's setting right. them up in quite a simplistic way, but like <laughs> it feels like maybe even if the message is simple, he's better articulating it now. I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, I feel that this is, I said at the time that I thought Frank Lampard was nuts taking this job, especially as he waited for the for the right job, that, that he yes, would take yeah. on such a, yeah. a basket case, poorly run club as Everton but in a Some way people like chaos <laughs> in a way he's got a level of protection because we can never really judge the sort of coach he is because what coach would succeed there and right. reducing it to to this as as Pete says the, the best it's going to get is is scratching out a, a, a win against an underperforming side and just getting closer and closer to that 40 point mark is it like 2005-ish and Ricky Ponting not actually having to <laughs> captain the side but just battle day at Old Trafford is is that what it is? Maybe but then like is he is he not going to then fall foul of all the usual expectations with Everton or do you think he's 
do you think it's in his his, his benefit to almost like I don't know, like gaslight them a little bit and be like, no, look, we are we are rubbish. You know, you you were complaining all last season, but oh, I don't think he needs to do that. Yeah, really, right. does he? So, what, if he basically he doesn't want to finish any higher than twelfth, because <laughs> no. then he puts ideas in their in their head about how good things <laughs> maybe, could be. Maybe right. <laughs> well, Neil Mope scored his first goal for Everton. I'm quite pleased for him actually because he's he's had he's had quite a difficult end to his. Brighton career you know he was sort of in and out of the team um, it's because of you Slame <laughs> <laughs> everything on me today um, yeah and I thought he took the goal really well I think West Ham he should did. have defended it better but actually um, I'm really pleased for Neil Mopé I think he, he deserves it he deserved the move he deserves to be playing and and hopefully he, he has a has a decent spell at Everton Andy I mean he, he fits the profile of this Everton team I, I think because He's a good player. Average who's at not best. Ex- <laughs> 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 your words, your words. <laughs> so wished him, wished him well, and then slagged him off. That was a joke. <laughs> but what, what I think, yeah, I think, yeah, he's he's a good player. He's not an exceptional player, and he can be a pest. And that's what you would want to. That's the image that you would want to build this Everton side in. I think if you were Frank Lampard, isn't it? I mean, I yeah. feel he's the perfect player for him, uh, for them, and for him at this point in time. I think probably the the thing that might have pleased Lampard, Lampard the most, and also the Everton fans, um, as well as obviously just winning the game, but but the clean sheet because defensively, um, I I've, I've seen a fair bit of improvement there since Connor Cody's arrived and Tarkovsky as well. I think it's the first time they've kept back to back clean sheets in the league since over a year um, and I think that they, they do look a lot more organised and, and that's a huge difference that I think Connor Cody's made because he just doesn't shut up does he? <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to have someone who, who doesn't shut up running the show isn't it? <laughs> what are you trying to say? That's Brassel saying that as well. He's, he I sees you on weekends sometimes. He's one of your only mates. Why am I having shots fired at me today? Jules has been working every hour that God has sent over the past week. And this is this is the respect she gets. Absolutely fucking bang out of order. <laughs> this is her day off. She's having to do this on her day off. <laughs> and your hair looks rubbish. <laughs> oh, fuck. I didn't realise we were being filmed. <laughs> I haven't even brushed my teeth. Oh, <laughs> gross. Jules. You, you can't smell me from here. I know, but it's just the thought of it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Well, what for West Ham? Because um, as you mentioned, underperforming Andy, they've only scored three goals this season, only two from open play. They're really struggling. I, I don't know whether Moisey, our pal, um, whether he <laughs> knows what is what his best eleven is at the moment. They they seem to be struggling to get any kind of consistency. Can they? Well, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think he does. And um, you know, I, th- I think it's difficult because that they they definitely needed that reinforcement. I mean, it's it's not obviously the same squad assimilation juggling issue that. Nottingham Forest, for example, are having. That's a particularly extreme example. But at, at the same time, you're right, because with West Ham, you knew exactly what their best team was last season. Now, part of that was because the squad wasn't good enough or, or wasn't big enough, I think, is, yeah. is, is probably the best way to, to put it. And, you know, they really could have done with that in the, in the back end of last season. But now they have got those extra bodies. And 
it, it took a while to get some of them over the line. So you think that, say, Pakatar, for example, hasn't had a, a full pre-season uh, with them. So where exactly they fit him, whether they fit him in a deeper position, whether they stick him on one of the wings, whether they stick him at 10. You know, they've got this terrific player who's a first 11 pick for, for Brazil. But you feel he's got to settle. You feel that um, Skamaka has got to, to settle, that Corne has got to, to settle without knocking the things that made West Ham so good out of kilter, like mm. Mikel Antonio. Now, long term or medium term, this is going to be really good for Mikel Antonio because they don't need to lean on him so much all the time. And, you know, it's totally unsustainable. You think of him going into his 30s, playing as much football as he did last season, that can't happen, I don't think, again mm. and again and again. If you get him, like, starting 45 games a season, presuming West Ham are in Europe, or 40 games a season, that seems about right, or, or, mm. or sort of limit, I, yeah, I, right. I, I, I would say. Because they've got to look after him if they're going to get the, the most out of him. But, of course, they've got to get the most out of some expensive quality players that they've, they've brought in. It takes time, and I think West Ham fans will probably be more understanding the most because you know they're kind of fatalistic you know they, they they expect their team to to have these sort of little dips as well mm. and th- and there's very little sort of variation between what they what they plan to do at the start of the match and then they just kind of fall into the same uh, plan of just getting it to, the, to, to a winger and whipping it in and and once that hasn't worked three or four times they don't think of doing something, anything new and, and defenders can just sort of go well we know what we're going to get from West Ham they're just going to try and do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result each time yeah I think I think frustrating is probably the word that uh, encapsulates West Ham's season so far because I think they have been a little bit unlucky in some games as you, as you point out Vish you know they also hit the post against Everton they hit the post I think twice against Nottingham Forest earlier in the season had a penalty yeah. saved in that game so that you mm. know they have they have had some decent spells and they've been a little bit unlucky at times but there's there's mm. certainly a lot more to come I think those three fixtures um they'd hope to pick up maximum points in um here's one for you um former West Ham striker Andy Carroll re-signed for Reading on Friday uh, and Weirdly, he's chosen the number two. Uh, reportedly, he was given the options of choosing two, 20, 26 and 27. And yet he still chose to wear shirt number two. And uh, Rambler listeners, Nathan and Dan, pointed out on Twitter, does this represent the number of appearances he'll make? Oh, that's harsh. Oh, that's mean. That's just mean, isn't it? <laughs> That is, yeah. <laughs> How many fibres he's got in his knees? <laughs> Two, <laughs> Two fibres. <laughs> that um, is well, a strange let's... one. Do we know? Like, do we have any inkling why? No, I'm not sure. Does any? Do any of you guys know? Did he just sort of like he just wanted to be part of the top? That you know, the, the first eleven, maybe. I don't know because twenty yeah, twenty six twenty seven. I think that's a really yeah, laudable aim. It's got to be that, isn't it? Got to be that. Just, just if if nothing else, uh, he's telling his body, look, you're here to play football. Yeah. <laughs> Don't break yeah. down on me. Well, let's hope his debut goes better than Shoya Nakajima's debut for Antalis. I don't know how you say that, Andy. How do you say that? Antalya Spore. There you are. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, at the weekend, um, he was sent off 20 seconds after he came off the bench <laughs> it was for loose. a studs up tackle. Oh my God, it was so bad. At first, he was given a yellow card, but then VAR said, no, have another look at this ref. Um, so then they, they overturned it, gave him a red card instead. And the cameras, <laughs> it was like they perfectly picked the moment. They panned to his family in the crowd 
And his mum was covering her face in just embarrassment, disbelief. Um, they travelled all the way from Japan to go and watch it as well. And, and then he goes and does that. Oh. Whereas the guy who was presumably his brother had more of a, you've got me over here and you've just like let me down. Because I know how hard it is to get in and out of Japan at the moment because they, they will not relax the rules out there. And the amount of forms they will have had to fill in to get there. <laughs> they were like, for fuck's sake, mate. I'm not staying for the next match. Because that's, what's that, three weeks away? Get stuffed. <laughs> I, I just think Nakajima's really unlucky though because having seen a lot of him in Portugal... He's a great player and he should really be up there amongst the, you know, the, the, the top bracket of European football now. Um, he looked great at Porto Menense. Porto bought him for quite a lot of money. And then um, his pregnant wife refused to hang about in Europe when COVID hit. So that kind of left him in a position where Porto couldn't do anything with him. They couldn't play him. Right. He couldn't train. And it knocked everything off kilter. So obviously he's gone on the pitch thinking, right, Antalya Sport. Back in, back in the top level of European football, good young coach, Nuri Shahin. I'm going to show Nuri what I'm worth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a plan, Andy. Maybe this is his plan to sort of get everyone talking about him. Now everyone knows who he is. <laughs> now everyone can keep yeah. an eye out for him. And, and then he got the rug pulled under him um, in terms of quick sending offs on, uh, on Sunday, didn't he? Well, yeah, you tell us about this one. This was a niece defender, wasn't it? Yeah, the former, formerly of Barcelona, no less, uh, Jean-Claire Todibo got sent off after nine seconds. Now, the thing is... <laughs> nine seconds? With, with, Naka, you, with Nakajima, you think he's just come on and he's tried to make an impression. This isn't after nine seconds for Todibo. This is after nine seconds of the match. <laughs> he, he got sent off for a professional foul against Angers. I'm not convinced that he was the, the last man, but he went on a good rant about French referees. Oscar Garcia, former Brighton coach, he went on a rant ah. about French referees at the moment. He says people in uh, back home in Spain are always calling him and texting him saying how rubbish French referees are. <laughs> Nine seconds. It takes longer to introduce yourself to someone. <laughs> it takes longer to walk off the I mean, pitch. Yeah. I mean, there would have been majority of the players on the pitch won't have even touched the ball or gone near it yet. Yeah, no. and in fairness, he didn't touch the ball either. No. <laughs> That's a good point, actually, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, speaking of things that happen early in games, um, that's exactly what happened to Man City against Wolves. I mean, they don't hang about, do they? They they get their opening goal of the game in the first minute. Jack Grealish with that goal. Um, I was at this game at Molyneux because I'm a loser and I decided to go and watch football on my weekend off. <laughs> um, and... It, oh, I think that's cool, Jules. Thanks, Brass. Thanks. Which is and probably it, not the endorsement you wanted or needed. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, I thought, oh, this this is over, and I've only been here for a minute. <laughs> I wanted to see a bit more of a game, yeah. uh, but it wasn't really to happen. Just Man City are just looking too good at the moment, Vish. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, is what it? A time to yeah, what a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they they kind of think like... about how Manchester United could have had him. Harland. Yeah. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Can we make you think about it? No, you can't make me do anything I don't want to do. For um, money? <laughs> fish, fish, I've got a question for you. Go on. Why didn't Manchester United get Erling Haaland? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because we had belly on. I don't know. I don't know why we do the things that we do. Um, but I do know that 
he does seem to have brought something a bit out of the players around him. I know, you know, Grealish got the opener, but I thought Foden had an outstanding game. Yeah. And he seems to kind of gravitate towards him in that way of like, I don't know, he's just like, uh, (laughs) you know, I still see Foden as this little kid and it's like he's gone to bed, he's woken up and like his imaginary friend has come to life. Like through the door and the side, like it's Sully and Boo, like of Man City, and uh, because the way they play together, they really seem to feed off each other. Like because you know, Foden can play in tight spaces, Harlan can play in tight spaces. They seem to be able to pick each other out in different ways as well. And you know, even beyond like going beyond those two and having like the Bruno also servicing Harlan, it's a remarkable thing. And the thing I thought was really um, incredible about Harland and his goal in particular was uh, Kilman for Wolves has actually had quite a decent start to the season. And there was talk about maybe like an England call-up and stuff like that, and that might may come on further down the line, further down, like, you know, later on in this season. But when Harlan was running towards him, he was he was like, oh, my God, like, what do I do? Because when Harlan gets a shot away on his weaker foot into into the corner, um, Kilman's back's turned. Because he just he doesn't know what to do, and it's not yeah. necessarily a criticism of him. It's like, actually, yeah, everyone tells you what you should and shouldn't do when like a shark attacks you, but until a shark <laughs> actually fucking attacks you, you have no <laughs> idea what you're gonna do. And it was just it was just like that. And I feel I like think... you know, defenders gonna have that moment many times this season. He, he was just unfortunate that like it was his I, time. I, I think it's the timing though that Haaland strikes it. Like I think yeah. most other strikers in that position take another touch or they they try and get closer to the goal or they maybe pass it but mm. he's just doing things that you're not expecting at the minute his runs are unbelievable um and i just think just one of the most amazing things about watching him live is it, it really comes to life the size of him like he is huge and he looks so big next to foden um he comes with like he just looks like an absolute machine. He just always has this sort of like look about his body, the way he, even the way he just stands still. It sounds ridiculous, but I think you know what I mean if you've watched him live. Um, every time he sort of like jumps, if he's sort of like, you know, gone to shoot and he's missed or, you know, he's he's then sort of, or if he's celebrating a goal he scores, you expect the ground to shake. He's got like that much about him. At one point he... um he had an opportunity and, and he missed it and he swung off the crossbar <laughs> and I was genuinely worried that the goal was going to break. I was like, oh God, don't do that. Like the guy is just an absolute menace. Yeah, there was a, that swinging off the crossbar. There was a little bit of a uh, Biff Tannen flex about that. Wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. He, um, he's just, he's one of those people where, you, where even if you weren't into football, I feel like you could watch and be like, I can see why he dominates this game because he's playing with children. It was quite something to see him (laughs) play live in the flesh again. I I don't think I'll ever get get bored of it. They were just, they were brilliant. Um, What about Nathan Collins' tackle, Pete, Um, on Jack Grealish? It was karate. (laughs) I had a front row seat for it. Yeah. Uh, what, what, What was your take on it? Because I think it was... It was a high tackle. It was, <laughs> <laughs> there's no two ways about it. I don't think he can really have many complaints about that one. <laughs> no, he seemed absolutely distraught as well. He kept just like rubbing his face, like right. Okay, what I can't have believe I I've done, done this. Like, I can't believe what have I... it was like. You know, normally when you get a red yeah, card, you go and pro- like I mean, protest just... it, and and he was weirdly protesting it. But I think he was almost protesting it out of disbelief that he'd done it. 
if that may I can't believe I've done that please don't send me <laughs> off like seriously like please you can't like I, I didn't really mean that what the fuck have I done I'm not that kind of player <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's that that feeling when you've got like a menial job ahead like I'm gonna have to spend the next 10 minutes picking bits of Jack Grealish off my boots basically yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Exactly that. I think um, I, th- I think uh, the, the tides definitely turned and then some on on the Wolves manager. Though um, I don't think any fans <laughs> watching that uh, ever want to see that man in the dugout again, do they? <laughs> and certainly that was there was the sentiment on Twitter and and, and from mates I know who support Wolves, they uh, they're not happy with them. Th- that's the interesting thing I think about Bruno Large is like I think if you asked a lot of us who you know watch football for a living but don't necessarily like follow Wolves, you know. You know, particularly closely, you know, you can't. It's quite hard to say whether you think he's a good or bad manager. And it feels like you know they play well, they've got good players, and he seems he's quite charismatic when he talks. And you're like he's been existing almost in this, mm. you know, in this in between where he's he's almost gone a bit under the radar, really. But yeah, I did seem seem to sense like a bit of disquiet after this result, even though it's Man City. I think a lot of teams in the Premier League are really struggling for goals, and, and Wolves are obviously um, one of one of the high underachievers on this on that particular mm. count. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that yeah. is fair to say, Pete. And I, I think there's a sense of desperation that the amount of times the broadcast camera panned to let's be fair, washed Diego Costa <laughs> stand <laughs> as if he's going to be the, the the solution to it. Yeah. Well, he might be Andy. We've got to wait and see because obviously he wasn't even fit enough to make the match day squad at the weekend. Um, so hopefully that will come soon. Um, Both well. Both right, well. That, that's, um, yeah, no. Uh, that's all we've got time for. Just to let you guys know, tomorrow Kate Mason's going to be back with another episode of The Drop-In where she's joined this week by Les Ferdinand. She, <laughs> she bloody loved this, by the way. Um, they met up at QPR's training ground to discuss his incredible career from playing in that entertainer's side to his relationship with QPR. Now he's their director of football. That one is out tomorrow on this Ramble feed. So make sure you check it out. Pete, Andy, Vish, good to see you, boys. Likewise. See you, Jules. And I'm Pete Donaldson. (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening to the Football Ramble, part of the ACAST Creator Network. We'll see you next time. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.